Hey everybody, I'm Rob McMichael, and along with Tim Whitaker and Jordan Renault, this is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived, and how we can better represent him and his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little bit more about us, let's get into the episode for this week. Welcome to episode number 49, where you will hear a great discussion that has major implications in current events, eschatology, and biblical theology. This week, we have guest Matt Taylor on to discuss Israel. Matt is currently in the military, but also started a drone cinematography business and was part of the filming crew of a project called Covenant and Controversy. With Matt's experience of being in the Middle East for filming and seeing the current status of the conflict firsthand, we had him on to discuss Israel and if a modern-day Christian should be concerned with the nation. Let's jump into the conversation for this week. Welcome, everybody, to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. I am your host, Jordan Renault. As always, joined by my other hosts, Rob McMichael. Hey, how are you doing, Rob? Oh, I'm doing good, Jordan. Man, this feels like a new, fresh episode. I know. Oh, hey, Tim. <laughs> that just felt so wrong. <laughs> it felt wrong for me, too. <laughs> um yep well welcome everyone also tim whitaker is here (laughs) i'm here i'm here you don't have to welcome everyone i already welcomed everyone tim i I just love how you Uh, step out of the role you said it word for word i mean word for word did you practice that (laughs) no (laughs) dang it's just so in my head now i think because you've been saying it for so long yeah um that was good that was spot on thank you thank you to you well go ahead jordan continue on i'm listening sweet well we also have a guest on with us today uh good friend of mine matt taylor how's it going matt hey guys how's it going good so matt is um i've known matt for i don't know when did we meet <laughs> probably six or eight <laughs> years ago now yeah we moved to new jersey in uh 2008 so it's probably been since then yeah we when we started matt was a, a elder at the church that my wife and i went to in new jersey um, so we became close with him and his family, uh, over the years that we spent there. Um, you are also an air force pilot. Is that correct? Are you still? That there? is. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was active duty for about 15 years and, uh, since moved over to the New Jersey guard. So I've been with them, uh, about six years now. Uh, nice. And retire out of the guard in about three. <clears throat> yeah. I always enjoy your, uh, your at work photos <laughs> of uh, <laughs> refueling airplanes and such. It is, it is a weird <laughs> job. I, I will yeah. admit it's a bizarre way to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the other thing that you've done some uh, cinematography, particularly you do a lot of like drone cinematography um, mm-hmm. or uh, you worked on a documentary series called Covenant and Controversy. And that's, going to come into what we're talking about today some so thank you so much for being on our podcast we really appreciate it yeah awesome good to be here yeah tim you wanted to talk about coffee see jordan it's hard to do my job isn't it to segue smoothly from the whole segue thing (laughs) (laughs) so uh go tim (laughs) (laughs) well i know i did want to mention though that you did send rob and i coffee from Mm -hmm. Is it like a, not a brewery, that's not the right word, because we're Christians, we don't drink alcohol. Um, <laughs> it's a small batch roastery. That's Ooh, it, that's go. the Christian version of there the brewery, go. the small batch roastery. Um, yeah, dude, it actually is very good. I mean, I'm not sure if I brewed it right. Okay, so I, I don't yeah. drink. Ex- tell me what you did. Let me explain. I don't drink a ton of coffee at the house anymore. I usually just get a cup of coffee when I'm on the go, which is not, it's not economical, whatever. But I have this, when Sarah and I got married, we got this really great coffee machine. It's like a Breville, and it has a grinder built into it. And you can, I mean, it's amazing what it can do. It can grind any setting you want. It grinds the coffee fresh right into the filter and then brews it for you, like right there. 
but I just, it's such a pain in the butt to clean and I don't drink like pots of coffee all day. So if I don't have people over, it doesn't make much sense to use it because it's so much work to clean out. But yeah. anyway, I put it in there. So I put it in whole bean. I ground it down to a fine powder and then I put water in it. <laughs> how, and how I have fine. this coffee. How fine. <laughs> the, the, the finest possible. But That's it important. Is, it is good. It is good. But yeah. my coffee machine is also saying descale. So I don't know if that oh, means yeah. like. That's just the cleaner thing. Well, maybe it's bad coffee. There. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's probably fine. It's but probably cleaner than what you get in a lot of Starbucks's. So that's yeah, that's probably true. Actually, I don't. I used to drink the coffee at Starbucks, but it's just so bitter. I do the Americanos yeah. now. Um, yeah. I like them a lot more, but it's also like three dollars. So right. I don't do it often. Not for me. I don't know what that's like. To pay yeah, for you, Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, it must be nice. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story, Jordan. I used to work at Starbucks years ago. Yeah, you did. And this is over a decade ago. And up until maybe four years ago, three years ago, I would still get free drinks at that Starbucks. I don't even know how it happened. People I didn't even work with would be like, oh, you're Tim Whitaker? Okay, it's on the house. Like, uh, I don't know what I did. Okay, that doesn't happen anymore. But it was, it I was think you kind of like you continue from uh, being like a partner to like a regular customer. And if you keep going there, you're kind of just always a regular customer. And it is weird how like those things get like passed on. Like if you started, like I started a new store when we just moved to Lexington recently. And like the first month you're like learning all these things about the regular customers. Like, <laughs> oh, this person gets this and we do this for this person. And this one guy who his, his wife doesn't want to drink regular anymore. We put decaf in, even though he asks for regular. <laughs> so every day, Jimmy gets four decaf shots instead of regular because hopefully he I doesn't listen to this, this. podcast <laughs> yes yeah. seriously I, i'm not worried i'm not too worried about that starbucks regulars are their own kind of breed especially the picky ones who yeah. there's one customer i won't say the person's name because they might listen <laughs> he would know because well you'll understand when i tell you he would mm -hmm. always ask for a cappuccino um um extra wet so that means, that means more no he wanted it wetter so he wanted more milk than like i guess oh, okay and he would yeah. pick it up and go, eh, can I have a little bit more? Every time. Every time. <laughs> to the point where one time someone like took the cup back when he asked for more, didn't do anything, gave it back to him, and he goes, ah, much better. Thank you. <laughs> and walked away. So they're like their own breed of people. Yeah, for sure. But what you're enjoying of, it. What kind of coffee did you get, Tim? Uh, it's like a, I got two different ones. One is like an earthier, richer whatever more dirt taste and this one that well i'm saying like 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 the flavors to expect this one has like hints of chocolate and caramel which oh so then we're drinking the same one because probably it's, i it's think from, i am too actually yeah it's from anchorhead coffee company it's yeah. the ethiopia br bl blend that sounds right plum caramel and chocolate yeah, but the problem is my palate must not be refined enough because even when I was at Starbucks and they would make me slurp the coffee and taste all the notes of the coffee, the blueberry note, the lemon note, the chocolate note, the earth tones. I'm like, yeah, it tastes like freaking coffee. I don't understand like what this these tones well, I'm just, to are. Just like you, your tongue is immature. <laughs> it's just underdeveloped, and, clearly. Uh, lacks subtlety. <laughs> Go on, Jordan. I'm listening. What else? What else am I? <laughs> Today's just a uh, make fun of Tim day. <laughs> yeah, it's an I all feel the like way. That's also called our group chat. So that's true. <laughs> but usually you're in. You're kind of in charge of these, so we kind of like defer to you a little more. Not tonight, my friend. <laughs> you're taking over. I'm ready. Taking over. Let's do it. I'm ready. I, I don't know how to be a host. <laughs> just kidding. You are. You are very good at it, Tim. I'll give you that. Thank you, Jordan. Cool. Yeah, so um, we were wanting to talk some tonight about the topic of um, generally basically just Israel, uh, the country of Israel, kind of the situation, what's going on there now um, for people. How would you describe it, Tim, as Israel for dummies? <laughs> um, but basically just like the situation there, obviously it's very controversial both in uh, – politics and then for Christians in the church too there's a lot of questions about kind of like the role of Israel and how Christians should view that and so I guess this came up Tim I think we were talking about the whole uh, 
controversial thing in the news with that one uh, congressman <clears throat> who had made some like anti-Semitic remarks where people were arguing about whether they were anti-Semitic or not. Um, yes, that's right. That's it was, kinda, um, yeah. it was uh, Omar, Senator Omar. Or, right. Yeah. And there was big, you know, Ben Shapiro is saying there are definitely anti-Semitic remarks. And then other people are like, no, like she's just saying that, that, that she's not a supporter of Israel. doesn't mean that she's anti-Semitic, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah. So that's definitely something too. That's a good point that you bring up that kind of like, the Jewish people versus the nation of Israel. Is there a difference between those things? Anyway, we have a, we have a lot of questions for Matt <laughs> and uh, Matt, Matt's not like a super Israel expert or anything, but he definitely knows more than we do. So we're going to pick his brain tonight a little bit on that. Um, Matt, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about kind of your work with uh, the covenant and controversy documentary series and like what that is and how that relates to because uh, it's basically all about Israel right yeah um, so it's produced by an organization called Frontier Alliance International uh, they are primarily a missions uh, focused organization so missions in action uh, missions training missions equipping sort of thing um, I've known the director <laughs> of that organization for uh, probably about as long as I've known you um, since we moved here to New Jersey. Uh, we just kind of met him through some online social media uh, things and, the, and then eventually um, spent some time just, you know, crossing paths through different churches as, as he was speaking and preaching in different places here in, in the state. Um, so a few years ago, he, uh, he knew that I had started a little side gig, a little drone business. Um, it was something I was looking at doing as I was leaving the, uh, the active duty side of the military and kind of throwing all my options on the table as to what to do next. Uh, the Lord had spoken very clearly about uh, keeping us here in New Jersey to be part of the, the church plant that we're in. And uh, that kind of, you know, as, as the Lord does, he derails all our plans that we think are, are wise and, and he, uh, you know, gives us something better. So that's basically how we ended up here. Uh, so yeah, a few years ago, um, Dalton Thomas is the director. He messaged me and, and they had already produced the first film, uh, Covenant and Country, The Great Rage. Um, or actually I might have the title wrong. Let me look at that. Here. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. The Great Rage. Uh, so that series was done or that particular, it's, it's, it's a film and a five part series that they're producing. Uh, three of the films are finished. There's two more to complete. I think we start some of the principles uh, photography <laughs> on the fourth film this year in uh, 2019. Um, but yeah, so he asked me, he said, Hey, I, I need a drone guy. I need somebody who uh, kind of knows the ropes, who's licensed to do this um, because he had done most of the work with just a small kind of consumer drone in the first film. And, and it, it turned out really well. I was extremely impressed with the, the quality that they were able to get out of, uh, kind of an earlier, you know, the technology and drones has really advanced the past mm. few years, uh, what they were able to do with it. So I went with them to, uh, to Israel for the second film and did all of the aerial cinematography for that. And then very shortly after, uh, we started filming for the third film in the series. And that was filmed in Israel as well as uh, Bulgaria. Um, there's a whole... Uh, segment of the third film that's a uh, documentary piece about what's known as the Bulgarian rescue. It's a, it's a time in World War II when um, about 50,000 of Bulgarian Jews were saved from the Nazi Holocaust. Uh, even though Bulgaria was part of the Axis in Germany, they were kind of absorbed into the Axis as, as many European nations were um, kind of um, not willingly, but just the situation that that was surrounding yeah, it. Yeah. And um, so there's a really, really cool story about how the, the <clears> government <throat> of Bulgaria, the, the king of Bulgaria, they were a monarchy, uh, worked with the, the clergy in Bulgaria um, to basically, uh, they just kind of slow rolled Hitler and, and, uh, and Himmler. And they, they said, look, you know, we've, we've got things we need our Jews to do here. We can't release them to you right now, but, but we'll get around to sending them to you sometime. <laughs> you know, and, and that sometime just kind of grew longer and longer and longer. And then, then the war came to an end because, you know, of course, they had no idea when the outcome of the war would be and, and, and how long that timeline would be. So they they tried to play very carefully how they, uh, you know, how they did that. But 
Um, it's not a very well-known story. You know, we know a lot of the stories about World War II, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer being one that everybody's yeah. familiar with. Um, that particular story, as the, uh, as the Soviet Union came into being after World War II, uh, was kind of squashed. Most things that were religious in nature uh, for nations that were underneath Soviet rule uh, were basically squashed by the Soviets. They, they just kind of whitewashed all of, all of that away. So that never really made it into the history books. And that's one of the reasons they wanted to tell that story in documentary format. Yeah. It's crazy. Like the, the whole history of um, surrounding world war two and how that kind of led to the creation of Israel as a nation in, was that 1948 or 49? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The mandate was in uh, 1948. So that was the end of the, uh, it was a French and British um, mandate for a while. Uh, the end of the British mandate, which was the last to be there, ended in '48, and that's when the the, the state was declared by uh, the United Nations. Right, and then there was uh, several wars in a very short period of time <laughs> that mm -hmm. Israel was involved in. Yeah, following that in the in the '50s and '60s <clears throat> and '70s. Yeah, um, and those are just some crazy stories. I know I've heard briefly about a few of those. Just kind of how you know, almost like miraculous things happening that helped Israel or, you know, that's how it's viewed at least by a lot of people. Um, so that kind of, I mean, brings us kind of to obviously very quickly and it's a, it's a huge topic with a lot of history and you can definitely, uh, I'm there. see what happens when you host things, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Are you back? <laughs> That, yes, I, I am. That I'm could be a gamer on my end, uh, eating, uh, eating up all my bandwidth. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you're pretty low. If man. I switch, uh, yeah, yeah. If I switch to a different uh, router, is that going to kick me off? We can wait while you're doing that. It shouldn't be more than a second or two. Yeah, sure. All right, let me, let me click on that real quick. Somehow I ended up on my extension, which is pretty low. No problem. Um, do you guys hear coughing? Someone is coughing. Someone's coughing, right? I don't think it's right. any of us. I think I'm back. <laughs> All right, great. Um, so, Jordan, as you were saying. Yeah, so I was just saying that um, there's so much, like, history involved in what is now the Israeli-Palestinian conflict um, going on in Israel and from World War II through all the wars that Israel went through and just everything since then. Um, could you talk a little bit, Matt, about kind of like what the situation is there now? Um, just kind of for the layman. <laughs> um, I know a little bit and Rob probably knows a little bit. And Tim, you said you don't really have much context for it. Well, I, I just feel like I know about things. Like I see the pieces, but I can't put them sure. together. Does like that make sense? Yeah. yeah, like I feel like I, I hear about Israel. It's he's it's really in the news. I know that our current president moved the embassy somewhere that right. was apparently a big deal, but I don't know all of like the like why. Like why are these things big deals? Sure. Yeah, sure. So um well it's it's interesting. I mean there's there's even stuff literally today going on in the news. The uh the I think it's the American Israeli uh Political Action Committee, it's APAC, uh, is meeting today. They're having their annual uh, gathering here in the U.S. Uh, so Netanyahu is here in the U.S. today uh, speaking with the president. Uh, at the same time that's happening, there were rockets fired out of Gaza just last night that landed on, on a home uh, somewhere <coughs> in central Israel. I'm not sure exactly what town. So uh, the uh, Israeli military, I think the Israeli Air Forces, uh, as they do, responded to attack uh, targets in Gaza. Um, the basic well, layout that you have sorry, now, yeah, right go ahead. There. Mm -hmm. uh, can you even just break that down for us? Like they sure. got what Gaza rockets, what, what's the implication <laughs> firing on yeah. you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, we're, we're in a point in time in history where, um, there's always been Jewish presence in the land. Uh, but after the 70 AD diaspora, when the Jewish people were scattered, uh, by the Romans, when the Romans, um, destroyed the second temple, Herod's temple, um, for 2000 years, essentially, you have not had Jewish ownership of their homeland. Um, now, this is all before Islam even was a thing. Um, so over time, you have 
uh, you know, battles over that area. Uh, you have Muslim conquest that comes in and, and, and establishes uh, what, what is known to them as Palestine. And then up until 48, well, there were actually, there was, there was quite a bit of bloodshed leading up to 1948 because the returns actually probably started, I think, somewhere around the late 1800s, early 1900s um, with waves of what they call aliyahs, the return to the land of the people. Um, but in 48, once it was declared a state, then, of course, that invites, you know, rage from all of their, their neighbors um, who <coughs> don't see them as a legitimate state. They don't see Israel as, as a legitimate uh, people or a group that should be even in existence. So the current state of things that you have, uh, Gaza was part of Israel. Uh, it was basically land that was ceded over to the Palestinian Authority. I'm not sure what year. It's been probably within the last decade or so, specifically to be run by the Palestinian Authority. Um, the problem that you run into there is the, the people of Palestine um, are basically... Um, their, they, their living conditions are not so good. They get a lot of aid from, from other countries. They get aid from the U.S., but basically the, the Palestinian Authority themselves collect all that aid, and then they use it to build an army, to build a military. Um, they, they launch attacks on, on Israel um, pretty regularly. So uh, the rocket attacks that, that happened just last night are, are just indicative of, of what's been going on there uh, for, for quite a long time. Can I ask a question about that if you guys don't mind? Yeah. So what is, so how is that allowed to happen? Like, why isn't there, you know, other intervention? Or is, is it like all the nations that are around Israel, are they all um, against Israel and like the U.S. is just staying out of the conflict or? Now, the, the U.S. has for years tried to broker peace deals uh, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Um, you know, you look all the way back to 48 and Jordan, you said it yourself. There's just it's been kind of war after war, conflict after conflict, skirmish after skirmish. Um, you know, probably the closest that we came was maybe under um, Bill Clinton's presidency. Uh, he had a, a pretty, that was when Arafat was, was the PLO leader of the Palestinian, Liber, uh, Palestinian Liberation Organization. Um, that might have been the closest that we really ever got to a, a good brokered peace deal that would last. But uh, the problem that you run into, and, and I think that, and I don't think, it, I think it's more than just mere opinion, but that the Palestinian Authority uh, does not see Israel as legitimate. So, they would not accept any kind of a peace deal because generally a peace deal is predicated on some sort of division of the land amongst Israel becoming a state and Palestine getting statehood for themselves or becoming um, a, a nation for themselves. Um, most people, they call it a two-state solution where you have both states kind of living in harmony together. The problem that you run into is that's generally what is pursued um, by a third party. Usually it's the U.S. that, that tries to intervene. And every president, um, I think at least from Carter on up, has tried to broker some kind of a peace deal. But it's every time something is laid on the table, it's, it's generally rejected by the Palestinian Authority. They, they, they want 100% uh, Palestinian rule of the land. They don't want Israel to, to possess any of it. And so they're just sending they're 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 at war pretty much all the time is what you're saying and we're just kind of, we're trying to broker peace but they're just going to war since the beginning. Yeah, it's there's a really just a de facto state of, of war. There are peace deals, there are ceasefires that occasionally happen here and there, but uh, for the majority of the time there's always some sort of skirmish. Um, and rather that be uh, for for the longest time there was a lot of Palestinian activity within inside the borders of Israel. Uh, one of the things that, that Israel has been kind of shunned for is building this big partition wall that kind of almost runs down the middle of the nation, uh, at least through Jerusalem into the West Bank um, and all the way down, you know, towards kind of south, uh, southeastern part of the, the country. Um, now, in the wake of that, after that, that wall was established, and that's only been uh, within the last five or seven years that that wall has really been kind of built up and in, in large measure inside of Israel. So Israel inside is divided. Israel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can walk, you can go right into the city of Jerusalem and there's a big wall going right down the middle of the city. Almost oh, wow. like what, you know, what you had in, in, uh, uh Germany. World That's World what I was thinking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now 
prior to that, you had, you know, bombings, bus bombings, uh, cafe bombings, uh, sniper shootings. Uh, after that wall was established and once it was fully built, all of that was kind of reduced down to just about zero. Um, for a person to leave the inside of where those walls are and go into Israel, they have to go through checkpoints. So the checkpoints clear them of any, if they've got a car with a bomb in the, you know, in the back, well, they're going to find that in the checkpoint. So they're allowed to go in and out of the checkpoints, but they have to kind of, it's like going through airport security, basically. So they can't bring anything into the, the city. Now, it still does happen. Um, you know, there's attacks launched right from the Temple Mount. From, uh, there was a period of time, I think the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is the, not the Dome of the Rock that you see in most of the photos, but it's another mosque that sits right next to the Dome of the Rock. Um, they were basically harboring terrorists inside that mosque and then they were going into the old city and attacking uh, Israeli policemen. Hmm. So it seems that there's a lot of, even like in the U S there's a lot of people kind of on either side of it. Like um, there's a lot of support for Israel kind of, you know, obviously like you see, like um, you know, this, they've built this wall here and maybe that and other things together and different laws have affected the conditions that the Palestinians are living under, like you said, but that certainly the Palestinian government also plays a role in how their people are being treated. Um, and then there's, um, so a lot of people see kind of what you were just explaining that, you know, they kind of had to do these things to stop, um, you know, these terrorists from coming in cause they're living right there and they have to be able to regulate people moving around more. Um, but then there's a lot of people also, even in the U S I think that kind of, um, take a the much more like opposite viewpoint of you know Israel is oppressing Palestine Israel is kind of moving in there and doing whatever they want and they've built this wall and there's these terrible living conditions and I mean it's even been described similarly to like the apartheid in South Africa that there's like all this racial stuff so there's obviously like this huge controversy of like this back and forth and two sides of the issue here um, where do you think that comes from do you think like is it that the people people are just uninformed about it or is there kind of evidence for both There's, I mean, obviously it's a complicated situation. So. Sure. I mean, you know, Israel, um, as we know today, they, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a nation, they're, they're sovereign. Um, you know, we, as believers would believe God had a hand in bringing them back to the land, but, uh, um, you know, they're still a, a political nation. It's still a political country. Right. They still have uh, as many vices as any of us. Now, what's mostly, I would say, from my point of view, reported in the media is not going to be accurate. Um, it's easy to pick a side in all of this. Um, yeah. You know, as believers, you know, we uh, when we see nation states, we see countries. Um, you know, what we should really be thinking of is is the the underlying uh, powers and principalities that are that are influencing the nation states. The nation states are a, a veneer. Um, as, you know, the, behind that is the the you know powers and principalities um, influencing <coughs> what's going on on the earth. So the conflict that we see, um, yeah, it's easy for it to be skewed. It's easy to see. Uh, you know, them compared to a country like South Africa and say, well, it's apartheid, it's racist. But the truth of it is, uh, after the, and I, I, I may get this wrong, but I think it was after the Six-Day War, um, or maybe when they first came into the land in 48 with the, with the UN Declaration, um, you know, the Palestinians were essentially displaced, but the nations surrounding them were, uh, were essentially racist against them. They would not receive the refugees from Palestine. Um, they, they, at least not into their nations, they wouldn't absorb them, uh, say, the way we take refugees here in the U.S. Uh, they put them in refugee camps and kept them segregated. The, the, the ones that did remain in the country, um, they uh, you know, essentially were assimilated into Israel, where today Israel's probably the freest country for an Arab amongst all of the Arab nations. Um, they hold seats in their parliament. They, um, you know, they, they're professionals, um, you know, doctors, lawyers, the, the whole bit. Um, they, they enjoy as much freedom in the country as, as an Israeli citizen, as a, a Jew or a Christian or, you know, or, or an atheist essentially in Israel does. Um, that's not well known because it's kind of painted as a very segregated, 
you know, it's only the Jews that are Israel, but it's not, it's a very, um, you know, it's not homogenous. It's a very mixed race country. So it's hard to look at that and go, well, you know, they're being, it's apartheid or they're being racist because that's really not the makeup of the country in and of itself. Yeah. Did you guys have anything? Uh, Rob, do you have anything? Cause I have tons of things, of course, but <laughs> I have a chance. Um, I, I guess a, a lot of this comes and stems out of, um, you know, the, what, the, what the, um, the covenant was to the, the nation of Israel. Um, what is it? Deuteronomy 29 or, um, where they're, they're given the promise <laughs> that I'm going to give you this land and this land will be a covenant between my people and, and Yahweh. And so a lot of this, uh, back and forth kind of comes out of that where the nation feels that they are almost guaranteed this land and other nations that have many, many different religious ideals, you know, don't, don't see it that way. And I, I just wondered if you had any opinion or any insight as to how as believers we can look at even that side of things and, um, see okay is this is this a fulfillment of the land covenant is there something else that we should be looking at or or what what your thoughts would be there well yeah i mean if you look at the the land covenant that was given uh to abraham um you know the land that they are currently in is not all of what was promised to abraham so you know and there there has been throughout history throughout all of israel's history kind of this repetitive pattern of possessing the <laughs> land or in part possessing the land um, you know, sinning against the covenant. And, and there, there's many different covenants. So when we talk about the Abrahamic covenant, that's more of the unconditional covenant, the covenant mm-hmm. given by God as a promise versus say the Mosaic covenant where there were conditions and those conditions affected the outcome for Israel. Um, such as that, that, you know, the, the land would only bear a certain level of iniquity and then eventually it would spit them out. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that repeated uh, kind of time and time again, a return to the land, a spitting out, um, a dispersion than another return to the land. And so it's, it's really kind of an amazing time in history that we are in now because for 2000 years, there was not, you know, there, there, there had yet to be a return. So now we are experiencing a return. So I think as believers, we still have to look at it in light of scripture. We still have to look at it um, as part of, of Israel's um, kind of sovereign claim to the land um, but also we have to be careful because it's easy as particularly as Western believers, as American believers to snap into this, just political flag waving, uh, you know, un- undying support for the nation of Israel, um, rather than sticking to, um, to, to scripture and what God says about why why he chose these people, why he chose this land, what is his purpose in it? Um, how will it all bear out through from you know throughout redemptive history into a, a future um, where you know we have the return of Jesus, his second advent, and we look at that and go, okay, everything is kind of done. Everything has culminated in that moment when when the day of the Lord happens. Um, so, yeah, it's easy to get kind of our blinders on or get very nearsighted and looking at the the political state and going, man, they've got blood on their hands. Well you know, there's, there's kind of been a history here. Um, you know, no nation is, is, um, is safe from judgment and, and Israel themselves have kind of been the demonstrator of that. They've been a demonstrator of God's grace and his promises. Uh, but they've also been a demonstrator of when, when iniquities take place and what the, uh, kind of what the consequences of those are. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Tim? Oh, I was just, um, uh, I think the thought just kind of flew away from me, but it was something around the idea of what you just mentioned a second ago with um, uh, Israel. What <laughs> 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 about Israel? Now, I, I don't know. Wait, what are we talking about again? <laughs> oh, you mentioned about the, the covenant with Israel and, um, oh man. Oh, I got it. It came back to me. Um, you mentioned, and I think this, I'm glad you kind of brought this up. And I, I'm also glad you mentioned it, that sometimes in our Western, like, uh, evangelical conservative view we can just think like well if you don't support israel like you're just a bad christian and you know you just have bad theology and you can't 
you know, that's also why you, have, why you always have to vote right wing because they're <laughs> on the you know, big leftists are never for Israel. But I, it helps me to understand a little, a little bit more of like the nuance because like you said, Matt, this stuff, I mean, even in scripture, we're reading an, you know, Middle Eastern book written to Jews, <laughs> trying to read it through a Western context. And it's, there's a lot of nuance that we just tend to miss uh, scripturally. And then, you know, just our culture kind of takes over from there. So I think that's an important point that um, you can still be in support and still believe that God's going to work what he needs to do through Israel while not always condoning um, if they're on the wrong side of some of these <laughs> Um, which should obviously go for any any country, but it kind of helps me feel, I guess, more at peace knowing that I'm allowed to challenge maybe a decision that Israel made without worrying about, like, you know, being a bad Christian because I'm not in full support of Israel. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's a that's a good point. And I think, um, you know, you, you kind of started to, to pry on a little bit um, the, the differences that have taken place in the church through church history. Um, you know, we are currently in the church age and, and the, the church for a, a very long period of time has been very divided on this issue. Um, almost, almost binarily, almost, you know, either for or against, uh, against not really, um, maybe consciously, but there is kind of a theology of replacement where there's this view that the church has completely replaced Israel. The other side of that being, um, you know, kind of that, like, like I said before, that blind political flag waving, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to support Israel. Those who, you know, those who bless them are blessed and those who curse them are cursed. And, and I think that's the first time as a, as a young believer, I ever heard those words uttered as part of the covenant and, and thought, oh, well, that's simple. If, if, if I bless them, they're blessed. If I curse them, they're cursed. But it's so much more complex than that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that kind of hits on something else I wanted to ask you about, <clears throat> Matt, just kind of like, um, first of all, like, how do you, uh, like, what's the difference, like, practically speaking, maybe for a Christian to say, well, I'm not necessarily going to blindly support everything that Israel as a nation does, but I also have to look <laughs> at this um, through the lens of scripture and see, you know, how should I respond to um, the people of Israel or the Jewish nation um, as, you know, they were God's chosen people or are, or, <laughs> you know, that's another question, obviously. Um, but then kind of like, how does that play out? Um, yeah. And then what you were talking about with the, uh, the church replacing um, Israel, could you go into that a little bit more? Sure. Um, yeah. So that's, I think, uh, that's probably one of the, the, and, and again, I don't, I don't, I, I would tend not to side on replacement theology based on <laughs> what I see in the word, based on, uh, uh, friends that I have in this community, um, that, uh, you know, these films essentially are all about that issue. Um, kind of a real quick synopsis of the film. The first film was about the great rage. It was about church history in, in Europe, essentially, uh, leading up to the Holocaust. Um, they're, they're very, quick to point out some of the problems uh, uh, in, in the church's uh, theology when it came to Israel. Um, you know, from everything from a simple blaming of, well, the, you know, you've heard the Jews killed Jesus, the Jews killed Christ. <laughs> well, Jesus, uh, you know, he addressed that pretty quick, even with his own disciples and said, you know, you guys are slow and you're, you're dumb essentially to not know that the Christ was supposed to suffer and die. Um, and, and it also got, you know, to the point of, looking at the church and saying, well, we are the new Israel, the old Israel no longer exists and God, you know, uses us to replace Israel. Um, I don't see how you get there when, again, going through, you know, kind of a linear reading of scripture. Um, if, if you start at the new Testament and kind of work backwards, maybe you could come up and look at that because you're, you're viewing that through the lens of the new Testament. Um, but if you start at the old Testament and work towards the new and, and look at the new Testament as a, as an affirmation of, uh, God's promises for Israel. Um, and, and of that, we as the church share, and we are a part of that, you know, Paul spoke very clearly about that in Romans about how we are grafted in. Um, but that there is a distinctive there, that there is a distinctive <coughs> of the wild olive branches vice the, uh, you know, the natural, um, olive branches that are also the root. Um, now I'm trying to think of where I was going here, but, but yeah, so, 
for me, I think one of the biggest evidences against replacement theology was looking at the early church in Europe. Uh, even some of the, our church fathers, you know, some of our, the guys that we really respect, the reformers, uh, Martin Luther specifically, I think, uh, really kind of went off the rails, I think, um, when it came to the issue of Israel. And so a lot of that ground was, was kind of prepared for things that happened to the Jewish people by Christians, by the church, hmm. you know, their synagogues burned, their, uh, their, their, uh, possessions confiscated that, that, you know, main, made being, uh, to live in slums. And, uh, you know, certainly you look at the Holocaust and you go, wow, how could, how could the church stand by and let that happen? And I think a lot of that was the fruit of some bad theology. Um, it, it seems harmless. You know, we say, oh, you know, things we can disagree on and open-handed, close-handed issues, whatever. But that one seems a little more harmful because of some of the really bad fruit that came out of that. Uh, and it has damaged the Christian relationship with the Jew. You know, Paul talked about going to the Jew first and that, you know, he was willing to give up his own salvation for his brothers um, because we are still to evangelize them. They, you know, they don't get, there's not a separate um, redemption in in Christ. I mean, they, they are redeemed through Christ just as we are. Um, you know, there's, that's another, I think, wrong view that they have, you know, kind of their own salvation, but, but, hmm. you know, Christ, Christ was given for the world. Christ is given for, for everyone to believe and, and they will at the, you know, there's, there's promises for them that they will. And, and there's a, in large part, you know, we're, we're probably in the midst of a, uh, a pretty big movement amongst, um, uh, you know, Un unbelieving Jews where they are looking and, and seeing their Messiah. They are reading the scriptures and they're given light. Um, they're, you know, their, their eyes are open to, to seeing Jesus as their promised Messiah. Um, can we just back up for a second again, mm -hmm. for, for my own personal knowledge and for our listeners, can you just give a very brief synopsis of what replacement theology is and what we're actually talking about here when it comes, I've heard that term a lot, mm -hmm. still don't have a very clear picture. So if you can break that down briefly, that'd be really helpful. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I want to say it probably came about maybe at the end of, of the second temple period when, uh, when the temple was destroyed you know, Jesus, when he gave a sermon on the Mount, he said, you know, not one stone will be left upon another. And, and that was in part fulfilled um, in 70 AD when the Romans destroyed the temple and burned it. And they, and they chased all of, all of Jews out of essentially out of the land. Um, <coughs> only a small remnant was left. Uh, if you're familiar with the mountain of Masada, it's in Southern Israel. It's, it's in the desert. You know, they, they escaped to the desert. Uh, to the point where the, the Jews that remained there were eventually killed off by the Romans. Um, and, and, you know, essentially at that point, they no longer possessed the land. They were no longer in the land. Uh, people would look at that. The church, the early church would look at that as a, as a final uh, fulfillment of all of the, um, the prophecy about uh, Israel. And then they would affirm this belief that, well, we are now taking all of the blessings and, and all of the things through Christ um, for ourselves. Um, now, in part, that is true because we share in the blessing. Um, you know, the, the, the covenant that was given to Abraham was land, seed, uh, many, many children, um, but it was also blessing for the world. And that was the root of Jesse. That's why the very first words in the New Testament are, Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of David, um, you know, that whole plan was set up from the beginning for Jesus to be the, uh, the redeemer of the whole world. That's, you know, God, I, I was always confused as an early believer in almost kind of looking at the old Testament as like, try and do over, try and do over. It's like, God was trying things with Israel and just not getting it right. Um, but it wasn't until, uh, you know, just more, more time spent in the word and, and maturing and, in the word and, and looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, God's plan has never changed. He, he hasn't like rewritten the story and rewritten history. It's always been the same plan all along for redemptive history. Um, we just see it in part if we're not careful. And, and that can lead to this idea that uh, essentially what replacement or the, or it's called fulfillment theology or divestment theology or whatever. There's a lot of different terms for it, but essentially it's that, that, 
uh, ethnic Israel, that uh, the promises given to them are completely gone and that the church has, 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 has completely replaced um, Israel. Okay, so, so essentially what it is is that like what you just said that 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 the church is the new Israel, so to speak, um, as far as like the people of God, essentially, like like we we've replaced. So that brings up like I was gonna even ask this earlier, but earlier, but it makes more sense. So it seems like there's like the nation of Israel, then there's like the religion of Judaism, uh, kind of maybe like like a slight separation. Like I met plenty of Jewish people who are Jewish by ethnicity, but are not religious at all, or maybe even atheistic. Yeah. So is that kind of like where some of that might come from of like, okay, well, they're just Jews by ethnicity, but as far as like, you know, the promises of God, what, who's, you know, uh, who God is working through now to maybe like, you know, bless the world is now the church. So that's what, that's that kind of theology in, in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, how do I unpack that? I guess the, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to, you could, I guess, compare them and, and not to offend any Catholics in the room, but um the, you know, there are people I would say who are, are Catholic and who you carry their faith uh, very close and, and, uh, and worship the Lord as, as we know Jesus. Um, there are some who I think are culturally Catholic, who they grew up, you know, with that in the household. They, they were raised in a Catholic home. Uh, they have the, you know, the rites and the rituals and the, um, the dietary restrictions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can look at Judaism as the same thing. Uh, you know, a lot of those things were given in the Mosaic law to the Jews, um, which when we talk about, when you do talk about something that's been replaced by, by Jesus, by the, his new covenant, uh, you're talking specifically about all of kind of the laws and, 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 and the restrictions that were given to Jews. Um, so there are many that are raised uh, culturally Jewish uh, who have, you know, Jewish mother, Jewish father. Um, they may still be ethnically Jewish. Uh, or, or most likely are, but, uh, but they may not practice their faith, uh, if that makes sense. It may not be close to their heart. Yeah. Makes sense. Rob, did you want, I know you're pretty passionate about this and you have a lot of views on, on this stuff. Did you want to chime in and mention any of you know, your stuff? I, I mean, I know that there's a lot of variations in how extreme someone could go as far as replacement theology with... Um, you know, the minor being, well, the church is replaced them for the time being and, but they'll come back on the scene all the way through to, you know, we already mentioned Martin Luther. He wrote um, to the Jews and their lies. So, I mean, yeah. you, yeah. you kind of have all uh, a, a, uh. Huge, a huge spectrum there um, where they would say all of the, all of the promises and covenants that were made with Israel the church has taken over. And I mean, it, it's just nonsensical. If you go through the scriptures, right. how on earth are we going to inherit the, the land promise? And, um, you know, the, the mosaic law was given to them. That's a conditional one, but you know, the, the there's not going to be a, a root of the church that's sitting on the throne of David. So it's, Oh, Rob, Rob, you don't understand if we all, if we all, if listen, I have it all figured out. Here's how it works. If all the American Christian people, which is all of America, because America's a Christian nation, if we take our guns and we load up and we head over to Israel and beef up their security, we can wipe out Palestine and take over the land. Boom. Prophecy fulfilled through the church. And the only church we know of is, you know, God's, God's good earth Bible belt church. So That's with right. Trump leading the way we can do it. I think, Tim, I think Chuck Hagee is going to put you on his staff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they need our help though, Tim. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yes. We have tons no, of guys. That's, I, I will say, I mean, uh, you know, being a military guy and, and spending some time in the land, um, it's, it is impressive what a small nation, uh, has done with their military. Um, you know, yes. they, uh, they are conscripted in the service. They do have a period of time that they have to serve as youth. They, it's not a volunteer force, uh, such as ours is. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it is impressive. Their security, I mean, their airport security, bar none, the best in the world. I've been so impressed by it. And, and I've been kind of on the receiving end of, of some uncomfortable moments at the airport <laughs> because I, I come in with a drone, um, you know, where, some of my, my own air force training starts kicking in, you know, and it's like this back and forth banter at the airport. Well, why were you here? What were you doing? And it's, 
you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm kind of doing the used car salesman technique with the guy and giving him little bits of information at a time, uh, until we come to this, like, you know, wonderful, mutually respected, uh, period where, you know, he knows why we're there and I've explained to him why we're there and what we're doing. Uh, you know, yes, the series is very, it, you can say, yes, it's pro Israel. It is, it is pro the covenant. It is pro God's word. Uh, it is, it is the whole series is essentially to teach. Um, it's, it's mostly a call for the church just to look at our history, uh, to look at the covenant as rightly as we think we have, have gotten it. And we don't have everything figured out, of course, but, uh, um, but it's, it's a teaching moment. It's a, that's really what that documentary series is, is a teaching tool uh, for, for where the church should rest on this issue. I have heard a ton. I'm sorry, uh, Rob. I just wanted to ask one kind of fun question. I have, well, more, maybe a little more lighthearted. Maybe that's not the right word. But the, uh, <laughs> just ask the question. All right, all right, fine, fine. So the security thing, I have heard as well that um, Israel's security is like the Iron Dome, I guess, which can shoot missiles out of the sky, which is like a real thing. And I do know that that the company Celebrite, which I've used before, we used in like some of uh, of the uh, stores I used to work in, they're, that company which i think is israeli funded or owned by an israeli company has like cracked the iphone which was like a, a game changer for at the time for the police you know but like so i i've heard about their technology and their for being such such a small tiny country their defenses are like unre- are just re- oh yeah really impressive yeah Remarkable. it's i'll tell you a little story i, I read on the internet uh, probably a year ago um you know, when it comes to cyber, cybersecurity is kind of a big thing right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly in the military, we're pursuing it because it's it's a it's it's an overwhelmingly le- not un- well understood battlefield. Uh, but it's becoming you know certainly part of this 21st century uh, kind of world that we that we live in. That something that companies have to be very careful of, nations have to be very careful of. So there was a situation, you know these kids that are conscripted into service or spend their, they do their two years or however long it is in the military, you know, just like us, not all these kids are built to go running across the field, carrying a heavy weapon and a 40 pound rucksack on their back. Some of these kids are geniuses uh, when it comes to computers, networks, uh, network security, et cetera. So they're smart and, and they go, okay, you're probably better served uh, doing, doing network security, uh, defensive and offensive type stuff. Um, I believe the situation kind of played out where they uh, there there were a couple of guys I want to say in like Brisbane, Australia, or one of the one of the major cities in Australia. They were getting on a plane and they had some sort of a device in a in like a rucksack. They were going through security. Security somehow missed it. Pretty soon they're at the gate waiting to board the plane, and the phone rings, and it's Israel. It's whatever security agency does this cybersecurity, and they said, "Hey." Uh, see those two guys sitting in those chairs over there. One's wearing a hat and one's dressed in a, you know, red sweater, whatever it was. They said, yeah, don't let them on the plane because they've got X, Y, and Z in their rucksack. They pulled the guys aside and sure enough, they had this stuff. (laughs) They're like, how did you guys know that? They're watching cameras. They're watching whatever they can get into. What anything that's on the network is probably free and fair game for these. Wow. Yeah. It was impressive. That's impressive. Anyway, a little side note, but go ahead, Rob. I'm listening. (laughs) I, now I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about getting sidetracked tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's some crazy cool stories just in throughout history too and, and how uh, the U.S. at different times. There was one like right after, I guess it was in the 50s, probably one of those first wars that Israel fought um, with some of the, maybe it was Egypt um, or some of the other Arab nations around them. Um, and the... Uh, there were some guys in the U.S. that wanted to get these airplanes over to Israel. And, um, yeah, what was the guy's name? You, you might remember, Matt. There was a specific American guy who, like, basically f- because the, the U.S. president said, no, we can't do this because of whatever treaty w- existed at the moment. And he basically put these planes on a boat or something and got them over there and, like, forfeited his, his American citizenship. Um, in order to like get these fighter planes over to Israel so they could defend yeah. themselves. Yeah, I don't remember um, all of the de- – it's been a while. There's actually a, a great documentary, I think, on Netflix uh, called Above and Beyond, and it's, mm-hmm. it's about that whole story. 
uh, about, you know, this is post-World War II, uh, so there was a surplus of airplanes available here in the U.S. Yeah, they were just and, like and sitting I, there, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think it was a business, if I remember right, it was like a businessman who just, he had all this money that he was able to start buying these old surplus warplanes and had to figure out how to get them over there so they could use them um, in, in Israel. And, and so it's a, it's a, it, it has been a while since I've watched it. I'm, I've, I pulled it up on my phone here. It came out in uh, 2014, but a uh, really cool documentary on that whole story. Uh, how that all played out. So yeah. Matt, I have, a, I have a question for you. Um, you know, let's bring this a little closer to home, I guess. It, obviously with our political climate, it's super divided and it just seems like no matter, even your own personal leanings, mine, you know, yours, we all have our own opinions on this stuff, but it just seems like it's more and more difficult to get the straight answer from any kind of reliable news source, whether it's they swing more left or, or more right, or their entertainment really masked as news. I think a lot of like those like Sean Hannity or like Joe Scarborough guys who people think are like gospel, but really they're just entertainers masked as you know uh, news people. And it, in your you know your opinion, obviously you know you you have your opinion on this. Um, <coughs> do you think that you know it's the, we're in the situation where the right is pro-Israel and left the, the left is just full of like anti-Semitic people, or is that just kind of like words that are being thrown out to kind of have you know clickbait really just like whoa the 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 left is so anti-semitic all of a sudden it's in the ranks they're taking over is that kind of fear-mongering or do you see like a real basis for that no and well yes and no i mean um i I think what we're you know we're kind of a fast moving fast food society right now it's just where culturally america has gone and and I, you know, we want to, to be able to boil everything down to their simplest parts because we don't want to spend the time or take the energy to really dig in and, and go, what's really going on here? What, what should I believe or what, you know, what side should I stand on here? Um, you know, now, now as believers, of course, you know, we have, uh, we have a lot of light, we have scripture, we have, um, you know, a whole future in, in the Bible that, that, that's basically laid out for us to look forward to. And we will, you know, we expect to see a crescendo as we move towards the end of this age um, of these, of these controversies and of these times that are, that are troubling for us. And, and, you know, just as spoken by the prophets troubling for Israel. So what's troubling for Israel is troubling for the church. Um, you know, as, as, you know, just kind of a casual, you know, American, you're looking at it, I think, uh, a lot of what I personally would look to is, is history, you know, history is repetitive. And if we don't learn it, you know, we're going to repeat it as they say, but, uh, it's easy to control populations. If you, if you give them a boogeyman, you know, if you give them something to rail against and you say, well, you're oppressed because this is happening to you and this is the person to blame for it. And I'm the person who's going to save you from that. Well, there's only one savior, you know, there's only one, one who will, who will right all of these wrongs someday. Um, so, so I have to look at it through that lens, I think, and, and, and just try to, you know, not, I, you know, I turn off the news, turn off the TV, try not to spend a lot of time absorbing that. Cause, uh, well, for one, maybe it's depressing, but, uh, <laughs> but, but also, uh, you know, it's, it's just too easy for, you know, it's too much energy to give up to things that don't matter. They do, but they don't. They're, you know, there's important issues facing us. There's important issues that will face the church. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, the, the news, the influence, again, it's, it's the, you know, we don't rail against flesh and blood. We rail against the powers and principalities and rulers of the air. Uh, I see that as, as behind all of this, uh, trying to draw people away, trying to draw the church away. Uh, you know, the church in, in Europe, I, I kind of use them as this example for us to look to. Again, during, during the time of Hitler and during the time of the Nazi rule over, over Germany, probably a lot of the same things were being said uh, to divide the people up and, and, to, and to cause separation um, to the point where, you know, an entire race of people were, were uh, they attempted to exterminate to the tune of 6 million deaths. Uh, that's a lot of people. Um, and it's, and it's horrible that, that, you know, you look at the church and go, man, where were they? But then you go, ah, oh, it's, you know, how vocal are we? about our own brothers and sisters who are being slaughtered wholesale in Africa right now, in the African continent. I mean, it's happening every day. You barely see any blurb in the media about it. Um, I'm not a big fan of the media. I don't, you know, I, I, I kind of look at all the news as one big lump of just garbage and some <laughs> of it you can sift through and you can get, you know, maybe little bits and pieces here and there and nuggets. And if you can find a trusted source, then great. But uh, yeah, yeah, it does. It does really seem like in particularly 
recently more than ever just how completely I would say unabashedly biased all these news sites are. I mean, I used to think of myself as like, yeah, like, you know, I know Fox News is kind of cuckoo, but, you know, CNN's pretty balanced. But, I mean, the past, like, ever since really Trump came into power, I mean, I I screenshot some of the articles on their headlines to show Jordan and Rob as a joke of just, like, how blatantly – anti-Trump they are I mean over everything just how kind of like Fox News was with the with, with Obama where you where there was never a fair shake for the guy ever on that channel well it's happening now with with Trump in uh with, uh, with you know companies like CNN and you know whoever else and it just seems like in the age of information there's so much quote-unquote information out there that you can never tell fact from fiction because like you said we, we really boil things down to give me the sound bite but these issues are way more nuanced way more complicated way bigger than just what you know 10 words can sum up uh, for us to think that somehow we have it all figured out yeah sure there's you know there's a lot of static uh, in the mix, you know, there's, it, again, I think as believers, which we, we really have to work hard at not, you know, jumping on emotion and kind of taking that emotional bent towards things. I mean, we know the truth. The truth is, 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 is ever present, you know, to us in the word and, and, um, you know, everything else, there's just, a, there's just chaff. There's so much chaff and it's hard to separate that out. Yeah. For the right. record, I still don't like Trump, but I will be honest, <laughs> it does not do him right. That's for sure. At least you're you're uh, unbiased, Tim. I'm trying. <laughs> you're trying. <laughs> I've always I've always said um, I think one of the the pure evidences of God is the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. There has never been a people group or a nation that has been so hated by so many groups of people and other nations. I mean, yeah, America has a dark history in in terms of some people groups, but. There has never been a single nation hated by so many other nations and been tried to be exterminated completely by so many other nations. But yet here they are still alive, still there. And if that's not proof of God's sovereign hand over his people, Israel, then I don't know what is. And then to that point is, you know, you, you can, you can get into, you know, why, why should the church care about Israel? Well, because God cares about Israel and if we serve God, then we should care about what God cares about. And God loves Israel. I mean, that's, it's not, it couldn't be any clearer than that in his word. Yeah. Yeah, That's a great summary, Rob. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think the church was really tested in World War II, and, and they, to a large degree failed. Now, certainly there were glimmers of, of hope, um, you know, where, where people were saving Jews from the Holocaust. Um, and, and, you know, it's right to save anyone from, from that, but, uh, yeah. certainly, yeah, the church was largely asleep and it. And I think that's, you know, we're, we will approach a day where those, those issues will come back around to, to meet us. And will we be more prepared? Will we be better prepared, uh, than the church in World War II was? Are they a signpost to us, to the church, uh, to to stay stop you know to stop and, and and look at that and go man they got it wrong what what do we have to do to get it right um, and and I think that you know as again as we as we head long you know into into the future um, we can't stop time that that eventually the end of the age will be present whether it's that's us you know or our children or our children's children or who knows when but you know certainly. Um, you know, that the church will see these things come, come to pass. You know, um, Jesus spoke about it when he talked to his disciples, these are the things to look for. These are the parable of fig tree. These are the signposts in the sky that, uh, that will tell you that the end is near. Um, and there's going to be a pressure on the church, a uh, huge pressure on the church. Uh, so I think, yeah, you're, it's, you hit the nail right on the head. It's important for us to look at what does God care about? What is his plan for history? What is his plan for redemption? How do we, as the church, rightly fit into that plan? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of a great way to kind of start to wrap up what we're talking about here. And, yeah, I just wanted to mention something that um, – Tim or Matt, one of you guys said something about just kind of like this fast food sort of like media information, everything coming at you so fast. And, um, and that's kind of what, uh, 
brought this topic up was just kind of like a quick news thing that probably no one even cares about anymore um, because it was a whole week and a half ago. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so long. Um, but I think that was kind of the point of, of this. And I think for Rob and Tim and I, that's kind of the point of a lot of the things that we end up talking about on the podcast here is to kind of, you know, to realize that there are things that are more that deserve more attention and deserve more uh, conversation and, and debate even sometimes um, than what you can do on Facebook or what you can, um, or what you like just see in the media in, in five seconds. And, you know, that's kind of what we wanted to kind of dive into a topic here that maybe we didn't know much about. And um, uh, I think is important, like Rob said, you know, the people of Israel, you know, the Jewish people, God cares about them. And that's a good reason for, for us to care about them too. Um, so yeah, thank you, Matt, so much for coming on. Uh, Wait, Jen, I have one ahead. question. No, go ahead. <laughs> I have one final question that I think will bring it home. So sure. Matt, in your opinion, how do we as Christ followers now support Israel in like a non-political way. (laughs) So what do we do like right now? Do we just pray for them? Do we go to our temple down the street and like shake their hand? Like, what do we do? Yeah, there's so much. I mean, uh, that's, that's not a quick, quick answer, but, uh, you know, I'd say you have 10 seconds. Sure. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, read, read the word, read the word. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very clear in God's word. Um, you know, how we are to look at at Israel as, as a blessed nation. Uh, they are a nation given grace. They are a nation that displays grace in in the earth. Uh, they display, um, you know, God's, God's plan, um, for history. And so I think we start there and then that leads us to, you know, just as Paul said to, uh, you know, to go to the Jew and to evangelize them just as we would evangelize, you know, someone on the African continent or someone in, in India or, or Russia. Um, you know, we go to them and we share the, the, you know, the good news of Christ. Yeah. Sweet. That's great. Yeah. Well, as I was saying, <laughs> thanks Matt for coming on. It was really great having you. Yeah. Um, good to catch up. Uh, yeah, Rob, do you want to, yeah. Um, do you want to just give a quick, uh, where people can contact us and such? Yeah. So I, I, I think this episode will generate or at least should generate some um, conversation. So you can hit us up on our Facebook page, Coffee Theology and Jesus Podcast. You can send us an email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com. And then obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you found it somewhere. It's on our website, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Um, but we would really like your comments. We'd like to have a conversation about this. And then then we could go into different areas of how this applies and all the different theologies involved and have a bunch of more episodes in the future about it. Yeah. And then if Matt, if, uh, if people are interested in that documentary series, I believe that is uh, covenant and controversy.com. Is that correct? It is. That's yeah. You could just Google covenant and controversy. Um, you there, the films are available on YouTube. They're free. All the films are always made free. Um, so yeah, YouTube and Vimeo, I believe are the two sources. Uh, they do have some DVDs. If you're, if you still have a DVD player, I don't think I have one anymore, but uh, you know, those, I, I want to say Amazon maybe still has some copies left, but uh, otherwise just go right to YouTube, look it up and Google it. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I'll put the link in the show notes as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening again. Uh, We will see you next time. Thanks for checking out the Coffee Theology in Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus. But where's the water? What's your plan?